got everything your blood has bought. We won't stop till you've got everything your blood has bought. We won't stop till you've got everything your blood has bought. We won't stop till you've got everything your blood has bought. We won't stop till you've got Guys, the the anointing is is the essence of him that's left after he touches you. So whether whether you have oil is not a matter of merit. It's not a matter of your your stature in the kingdom, your maturity. It's it's simply a matter of intimacy. It's a matter of, of how much you're willing to surrender yourself just to know him more. Just to be touched by him. Just to be loved. To let him love you. The oil is... It's the remnant of, of hugging him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's a verse that says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. The Spirit and the Bride, they beckon to Jesus, Come. That means, that means the bride, the church, us. <laughs> when we partner with the Holy Spirit, the cry of our heart is, Jesus, come. But this is why this is so key. It depends on which partnership you have. If it's a partnership with Holy Spirit, it calls on Jesus. But the religious spirit, the religious demon and the bride, when they make a partnership, they say, stay away. Stay over there. We're good with what we have. Because they know, they know that if he comes, it's going to be messy. Relationships are messy. It's a marriage. And you guys have heard, you guys have heard the encounter I had. It it just kept coming back to me because of being around David Hogan. But when... We went and saw David Hogan, a few of us that are in this room, and he talked about being the bride of Christ. He did this whole message about wearing a miniskirt, <laughs> and <laughs> he's hilarious. Um, and that night, I had this I had this dream, and when I woke up from the dream, I began to share it with Avery, and as I did, others woke up in the room, Nick and Jeff and Andrew and Anthony. Um, they began to wake up, but what I felt in the dream began to come in the room, and we all began to cry, and and Nick just began to lead us in worship, and we just worshipped and cried, a bunch of guys. <laughs> was, but the dream, the dream was, you guys have heard this, but uh, I was standing by a door, and I was I was touched. Someone touched my shoulder, and I was standing at this glass door. I couldn't see what I what I was looking at. I was actually looking at from outside myself. And I could see myself standing at this glass door. Someone comes up and touches my shoulder. And when they do, I just begin to slowly fall. And it was as if I was like sinking through water almost. It was this, this thick presence that was alive. And I, I began to fall back into it. And I, I actually looked over and saw my hand slowly falling as I'm falling to the ground under the presence of God. And when I open my eyes, I close my eyes, and when I open them again, I'm laying on the floor wearing a wedding dress, <laughs> of all things. And I'm like, what is going on? And I'm looking around, and I'm in this medieval-looking hall. And this, this hall is, is huge. And I, I look over, and there's a painting of uh, the profile of 
this warrior looking man and it was obviously Jesus and it was over these doors and I looked over and there was actually another there was a woman laying there and she was in a wedding dress and all I could think was I, I gotta get up off the ground I was so concerned I'm like I'm, why am I on the ground like I'm I'm supposed to be getting ready like for the wedding and all this stuff. I was like panicked over myself and then the doors open at the end of the hall and this bright light showed through and out of the bright light which normally light behind somebody silhouettes them and out stood a man that was shining and he was he was in the most beautiful suit but he was a warrior he had braided long braided jet black hair he was strong he wasn't weak hippie Jesus he was warrior king Jesus and he walked in and he looked at me and I could no longer think about myself and how unprepared I was because I was connected <laughs> my eyes were connected to his and when he looked at me he spoke through his eyes it's the only way I can describe it he was speaking to me without his mouth opening and he just began to say tell them I'm ready tell my bride I'm ready and, and in that moment I realized that we have weddings backwards we have the groom stand at the front and the bride walks down the aisle everyone looks at the bride but for this wedding it was different he's going to walk in and the whole world is going to watch him walk down the aisle and I woke up um, in the dream I, I come out of that he, after he said to me over and over again tell them I'm ready tell them I'm ready it was almost a pleading of his heart tell them I'm ready and, he, and I wake up and I'm, I get up off the ground and Avery was in the dream and we go over and we're looking through these glass doors and I come into my body to where I can see what I'm looking at and I was looking over the church it wasn't any particular church it was the church and I was waiting to walk through the door to be able to tell them that he's ready and I remember in the dream I said to Avery I said I know the message for the rest of our lives That's why this matters. I know you guys have, have gone through stuff here. I can I can feel how beat up some of you guys are. And that's hard. That's really hard for me to feel. Um, knowing you guys are in that place. And I know this has been a hard season. None of that matters. It just doesn't. At the end of the day, none of it matters. But you knowing him. Do you know him? Are, are you... Are you prepared <laughs> to be with him? That's it. That's literally it. Because out of falling in love with him, he will get you exactly where you need to be. There's no, there's no missing out on your destiny. There's no ruining your life when your pursuit is him. Now, there is pursuit of selfish ambition. There are vain imaginations. There's thinking, there's thinking things. Like, that stuff's all true. But if your heart is really just to know him, if you, if you dive into just true intimacy with him. David Hogan gave the key to everything uh, the, two days ago. He said, he's like, for some reason he likes it when you lay on the floor and wait for him. <laughs> That's it. Every single person that carried anything throughout history talks about just waiting on the Lord in silence. And that isn't decision-making. It's not waiting on the Lord to make a decision. That isn't actually New Testament Christianity. That'll mess your paradigm up a little bit. It's not. New Testament Christianity is go into all the world and preach the gospel. They would go, and if God needed to stop them, an angel would appear to them. Somebody would come and prophesy to them. God would stop them and say, no, don't go there, go here. They didn't wait on God for those kinds of decisions. And I'm not against praying, fasting, and figuring out what God's saying to do. But waiting on God is a relational thing. It's, I don't want to get up from here until you touch me. It's God, I'm not the same until I'm, I know you more. 
It's, God, I can't eat food anymore because I just got to know you. That's what matters. Yeah. I have a few things I want to I wanna hit with you guys. Um, but I just want to say this, like, our... I know things have been tough, and I know there's been a lot of stuff said, um, but just know it truly doesn't matter. Like, I'm proud of you guys, and not everyone's made the right decisions, that's fine. Uh, you know, I'm proud of you guys. Keep going after God, keep gathering together, you know, keep going to church, keep loving people, like, that's, it'll be okay, everything will be okay, and I, you know, God told me months and months ago that this process would would be a crucifixion for me. And at the time, I had no idea what that really meant. Um, I didn't know it would look how it did. Uh, this has been a hard season of a lot of people attacking that I did not expect to, you know. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, and one, one person actually accused me of, of trying to make myself like Jesus. And I just thought, who, who else would I want to be like? <laughs> <laughs> like, really. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you this, guys. Like, one thing that I found, Jeff and I just did a podcast, actually, and I talked a little bit about this. But I had somebody come up to me yesterday and just grabbed me, they pulled me aside, and they said, I know everything, and I'm so sorry. And they're like, I hate how you're being treated. And I, I just told them, I was like, don't don't actually feel sorry for us. Like, we're actually okay. Like, I thought it would be feel a lot more personal than it did. Like, actually, none of it really hit our heart in a personal way, um, which is really good. That was the protection of the Holy Spirit. But what I did find is there's a place in Jesus and his sufferings that you never understand until you're hated. There's a, a place in him that you'll never truly get or be able to relate with him with until people talk bad about you, people whatever. Um, people misunderstand you. Most of us have a good heart, like what people are saying. They're trying to fix something or you know what they think. Um, and that's okay. It just is what it is. But there's a place in his heart. And it, this, this scary prayer has started to come out of me of don't let me be ignorant of your sufferings. I, I never I never want to be ignorant of his sufferings because there's not many people on the planet that can relate to that side of him I've shared this one too um, I feel like God wants me to share it again but one of the one of the most impactful encounters I've had with with Jesus was a I went into a vision and I was I was taken by this angel and he led me down a hallway and on the doors there were different things there was there was a, a prophecy room a word of knowledge room a healing a creative miracles like I'm passing all these and I keep asking the angel like can I stop can I can I see can I visit this room and he, he would say no like keep keep coming and um, and we got to the very end of the hall and all those doors led up to one door that said the heart of God and I walked in and I saw the most brilliant fire in this room. And it was, it was huge. It basically consumed the whole room. And the angel said, no, that's not it. Look. And he turned and he pointed. And I saw Jesus to the right of me on his knees crying, praying over us. And that came after a prophecy. David actually said to me, David Jonas, he said, there's going to be a point where God, where an angel is going to take you into a place in heaven that few people have ever gotten to see. And that happened within a few months of that. And seeing that place, seeing that place of Jesus' heart, seeing that place of, of his raw passion for us, how much he loves us, how much, how much his heart breaks over 
the the little the the misunderstandings we have of him or his character or of his will for us or how much he loves us how much he's a father like all all of that just comes bubbling out of him as he prays for you there's no one like him there just isn't there's just no one like him there's no one like him there's no king like Jesus whoa As we've done communion, every Friday night we get together and we make a, a beautiful meal. And we have a big table that seats up to 24 people. Because we're ready. <laughs> and the very first communion we had, we lifted our glasses. And this is what came out of me. I said, Holy Spirit, we drove all the way across the country. We sold everything. We moved our lives out here to know you. Come and know us. And he fell. He just fell. And every, every time a doubt would come up or another accusation or somebody would call someone I love and tell them bad things, I, I just have to remember we gave up everything just to know you and that is worth everything to us and then last uh, last Friday uh, Kat was there and um, I think that was one year there and then the same thing I, I forgot about the first time we did communion and that came out of my mouth but something came out of my mouth I, I hadn't thought about it, it just like kind of came out and I said something along the lines of Holy Spirit you are Jesus's best friend come and teach us how to love him and he fell guys nothing else matters I just, I want to get that into you. And part of the reason we're here is, is to bring some healing. But I want, I don't want your hunger to die. You cannot let your hunger for him die. There's no one more precious than him. And right now God is doing something in the earth. He's, he's, he's restoring faith. Jesus asked this question. And it was legitimately a question. He said, will there be faith when I return? Will there be, will I find faith on the earth? And faith isn't this, it is not a logical thing. The Bible says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. So what does that mean? Faith is substance. It's something tangible. It's the substance of things hoped for. So the things in your heart that you're hoping for, faith is, faith is the only way to touch them. So there's a reason that a lot of people have hopes and never touch what they're hoping for. And it's because most of what we call faith is not faith. And guys, this faith is what he's doing on the planet right now. People have lots of opinions and they love conferences and this and that. And there's all kinds of awesome things going on. But he's trying to find those who have faith. Where are those that can move a mountain? If you can move a mountain, you can move his heart. And if you can move his heart, you can change this planet. This isn't, the purpose of you being alive is not to have a platform. 
it's not even really to have influence. We talk about influence. I love influence. The purpose for you being alive is impact. And the truth is most of what we have is people with influence and people with platforms, but very little impact. And the success of your life is measured by impact. Is the kingdom being expanded by what we're doing? And the truth is, it either is or isn't. Are we, are we impacting the world with what we carry? You can do things that make you feel alive, that make you feel great. And that has zero to do with the kingdom. Unless it's having an impact. And you can convince yourself all day you're having an impact because you feel good. And you enjoy doing what you're doing. But that doesn't mean anything. So aim your life at something that matters. If you, if you want faith, he's already given you a measure. And it's really hard to believe in a God you don't have intimacy with. It's really hard to have faith in those moments when you haven't laid on the floor with him. Guys, one of the things that we discovered really quickly was we had had some wins we had had some wins of faith, but they weren't as great as wins as we thought they were. And what we began to realize as I processed this with Holy Spirit, and then I began to talk to David Jonas, I'm like, what is this? Because we had, we had some big battles of faith immediately. And I was like, you know what? It was easier in Columbus being around people that I know that if I have, you know, if I need an amount of money, I can go to church. And there's a high probability somebody will probably walk up and hand me the money. And David was like, that's exactly what it is. It's probability. It's not faith. But when you when all options are removed, when we're in a place where we were in a, you know, we're in a place where it was just the six of us in the house and all of us hadn't had jobs for weeks, and we're like, We need something to open up for us now. Like we're getting to that point and there's no one to bail us out. Like there's no one, we're not in a community right now where it's like someone might walk up and be like, God told me to give you this. It's like a bunch of non-believers around. And so it's like, God, this is where it gets real. Either, either we have faith and we can pull on heaven or we don't. And a lot of times it's logical faith and you can't figure out in your mind how it's going to happen. So it's hard to believe. And even when you can figure it out in your head how it could happen, it's typically not faith. Because you're already trying to logically figure it out. That's very different than grabbing a hold of him in a way that you can pull on heaven. You guys uh, probably saw on Facebook, but Norval Hayes, uh, a man who greatly impacted us. Um, I grew up watching him got to be in the room around him the video i posted i was there um as a little kid and he was one of the last generals of 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 faith of like the faith movement when god like really restored faith back to the body and he went to be with jesus finally which he needed to he got his reward but that really that triggered a war more so that i mean there was already a war with faith and the anointing god was trying to do stuff and all over the place like this wasn't, this wasn't just a thing in Columbus. I hope you guys realize that. It's really easy because you're in it and seeing stuff and hearing stuff. Whatever. It's not, it has nothing to do with the city. Um, this is something happening all over the world right now. And God is he's bringing, he's bringing faith back to the body and the ability to actually use faith so that we can actually get prayer answered, so that we can actually see people healed, so that we don't have to make up testimonies or or exaggerate testimony like all the things that have been happening like we don't have to do those things we can actually go after something real and i'm telling you guys if you if you can grab a hold of him if you can if you can if you can pull on him if you can build that place with him and make him priority faith will grow mm-hmm. and we've had we've had some amazing wins now i mean i have i have a letter here 
This is one of the coolest testimonies. This is a letter from the IRS. And I made, it, I made a mistake and there was a form I didn't do on my taxes in 2017 when I did my taxes. And basically right before we left, found out I owed like $2,500. And I was just like, God, I need help. I don't know what to do. And this letter I got a few days ago uh, says that my $2,500 was paid. <laughs> and I owe nothing. Which, that doesn't happen with the IRS. <laughs> but he's good. And we began, to, we began to pull on heaven. And we began to pray. And we saw God just begin to line up everything. And things that were mountains in our way began to level. And we all got, we all got jobs. Everything started working. Everything picked up. And there's just a level of knowing him that we, we didn't have before we did that. So I just, just encourage you guys, go after him. I want to share, um, sorry, I'm, I'm so like weepy lately. Um, oh, Jesus. I had an encounter with God the other day. Um, that I want to share with you guys because it's really important right now. I can't get into all this, but there's a war with the prophetic right now. And like, um, there's a lot of prophets going head to head right now, which is really actually a good thing. Um, because prophets have not been prophesying. I thought David Hogan has been saying this everywhere. Um, and I thought he was going to say it and he didn't say it as I am, but, um, God's raising up real prophets that actually cities tremble when they come and like biblical prophets that actually carry power. Um, and not just prophets that can tell you cool things about yourself. And, uh, so there's a war right now between prophets and between stuff that's real and stuff that's not real and people getting caught doing stuff and all kinds of stuff. There's a war and it's beautiful and it's good. Um, and we've entered the body of Christ. We've been in a time of peace for a long time, but the, in the spirit realm, we've actually entered a time of war, uh, which is good. It scares, it scares people because we like things peaceful but I think David posted this on Facebook a while ago. David Jones posted, uh, peace produces politicians, but war produces generals. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Um, there, <laughs> this is a season of war. It's a season of learning how, how do you become a lovesick soldier? How do you fall so madly in love with him, but also you know how to wield a sword? And the body is for so long has not really known how to wield the sword. And so I want to encourage you guys on the faith aspects of things. You have to get the word in you. And it's, it's just, it's so important that you get it in you and you learn how to wield it. And faith requires you to open your mouth. Like you actually have to speak to things. You actually have to know what you're speaking out to. And when it's over other people, you need to know that it's actually God. Because <laughs> otherwise it becomes Christian witchcraft where you're praying your will over them. Which is very real and actually carries power. Um, but you're operating in witchcraft when you do it. So find out God's will over people if you're going to pray over them. But open your mouth. Speak to your circumstance, circumstances. Speak to the things in your life. Say what you want like he he created the world through speaking he created you in his likeness so speak that's how you create worlds words become worlds that's not my quote i don't know who said that but is it that's a good quote so speak begin to form the world around you and this isn't just like oh well that sounds good so i'm gonna speak it out figure out what jesus actually did for you find out what what he actually paid for in your life Seek him out on that. Begin to establish those things in your life. Let those things be your standard. There's so many things that you guys are being told that we're all told are the standard for your life. You got to go to college immediately after high school and you got to have a four-year degree. You've got to get married by this age. You got to have a career. You got to like all these things. 
that may or may not apply to you. So figure out what is his, his will for you. Don't go by other people's. But, okay, so I want to share this encounter. Because um, this has to do with prophetic, with the prophetic, but it has to do with all of us. So I was driving and listening to a video my manager sent me. Um, I work at a technology sales company. And um, as I was listening to this video, I got sidetracked with him and I was driving which in Seattle you can't even like touch your radio it's illegal um, it's like crazy um, they're like people are bad drivers yeah and you're in mountains so that's it's, it's dangerous um, anyways so God reminded me I some of you may know this I lived in Pittsburgh for like three months or a month and a half months I don't know there's some period of time I was there um, anyways I was around uh, these people and there were some really strong prophetic people that were actually legit um, and I remember three or four of them at the same time God brought this back to me when I was driving this is all part of this encounter but three or four of them at the same time uh, not connected to each other began to prophesy God's gonna move in Pennsylvania like revivals coming to Pennsylvania it's gonna move from the west to the east um, Pittsburgh's on the west side, so that's part of that. Um, west to the east, and that the sign that was happening was the Steelers were going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and, sorry, Joe. Um, but that was a bullcrap prophecy. Um, and I knew it I knew it then. I was, able to, I was able to recognize the first part I actually believe was God. I, I really do believe that that was the word of the Lord, that, that God was going to move, was going to move from the west to the east. And then they added this other part because they wanted the Steelers to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and it sounds funny, but this is it's kind of a crazy example, but it happens all the time. So they added this prophetic piece that had nothing to do with what God was saying. Um, and so God brings that back to me. And then immediately he says, uh, he didn't say this. It was uh, the nature of revelation is like all of a sudden you, something's pulled back and you see it. So like all of a sudden I just knew all of a sudden it was like in a moment it was all revealed to me why he was bringing that up and I I knew this a sword is coming upon the land is the phrase that came immediately a sword is coming upon the land which was in the Bible in the Old Testament it talks about the watchmen on the wall that their job was actually to watch you know like think of a castle they're on the wall and they're watching to see if a, an army an enemy army is coming upon their their land on their city and it talks about if you're a watchman on the wall and you see the sword coming upon the land but you say nothing the blood of the people's on your hands Aww. well so I hear that and but I knew immediately the sword was not the sword of the enemy it was the sword of the Lord and so <laughs> um, and the sword of the Lord you see in Hebrews is what cuts between spirit and soul. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions, which are all good things, but they're subservient to the spirit. And so his, his word, which is the Bible, it's whatever comes out of his mouth, whatever he speaks to you, that cuts between what is your soul and what is your spirit. And so what's happening right now, I'm giving you guys some prophetic insight, whether you want it or not. Um, the sword of the Lord is coming upon the land and he is, he's coming at the prophetic and he's cutting through what is soul, their mind, will, and emotions and what is spirit. And immediately God started taking me through prophecies I've given for years, like throughout the years and pointing out, Hey, that was me. That was added. Like that was, or I said this and you changed it to this because it would be more palatable. And so that is happening to prophets and intercessors right now. But I want to, I want to tell you guys this because you are a prophetic people and let his sword cut because it goes in and it cuts and it comes out and it heals, but let him begin to cut between what is selfish ambition. What is, you know, whatever, because that's actually what's happening in the church right now is the, the prophets, a lot of the prophetic, they are not saying the things God's actually saying because they'll be rejected. And prophets for so long have been rejected that they 
they like that they're accepted right now and that's a hard place to be in but they have to start prophesying again because things are a mess and they need somebody needs to speak and it's not popular and <laughs> you end up ostracized and it's okay that happens all throughout church history i could say get through it over and over again somebody gets a revelation from god that is actually god not some weird doctrine but they find something in the bible and they're like oh my gosh why are we doing this this way because the bible clearly says this and then they stand on it and somebody kills them and then somebody comes up 100 years later with the same revelation has some trouble but then it gets established it's it's a pattern that happens over and over again and we're in we're in some part of that somewhere um <laughs> but people have to start prophesying but just for you guys let him begin to cut between what is your soul your mind will and emotion and what and what is actually his spirit in every element of your life and because it's so easy to get caught up in all these other things and all the chaos in the air and chaos on the news and chaos on Facebook and blah, blah, blah. You can get caught up in it. And it's also really easy. There's a reason people always get fluffy prophetic words and a lot of them don't come true. It's because people are prophesying their will over the person. I want these good things for you, so I'm going to prophesy it. That's wrong. Like, that's not God. That's awesome that you want good things for them. Don't say it's God's voice. So figuring out what, what is his voice. The only way you know is get in the word and spend time with him. Does that make sense? Oh, so I'm going to read something here in a second. Um, and then we're going to pray for people. Nick, I love that new song. I think when you were when you were singing that, I thought I think this is the the anthem for our missions movement. I really think it is. Do you concur? <laughs> when it, when we do when we do uh, communion, we always close it by saying. We, we hold up our glasses one more time and we say uh, for the kingdom that the, that the lamb that was slain may receive the reward for his suffering that every drop of his blood that was spilled for the nations every drop of his blood that was spilled for our lives will meet its intended target that's, just, that's our heart the world has to know him and his blood can't go in vain and I'll, you know, I'll die fighting for his blood to not go in vain. That's who you guys are. Give everything so that not a single drop goes in vain. So I'm going to read a lot of scripture. I'm going to put my gum on this plate. Sorry, whoever's plate that is. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna stop here. Okay. I think Nick was the, one of the first people I ever heard talk about this section of scripture, and we were uh, worshiping one night, and God like brought this back to me, and I read it, and God just fell even stronger in the room. Um, but this is so powerful. So this is uh, Song of Songs in the Passion Translation, in chapter 5. This is like one of my favorite, ever since Nick Point. It was like a year ago that you talked about this, but it like stuck with me. So I'm starting verse 2 of chapter 5. You can follow along or just listen. Actually, just, just listen. Just let this hit you. This is the bride speaking first. After this, I let my devotion slumber, but my heart for him stayed awake. I had a dream. I dreamed of my beloved. He was coming to me in the darkness of the night. The melody of the man I, lo I love awakened me. 
I heard his knock at my heart's door as he pleaded with me. And he says, arise, my love. Open your heart, my darling, deeper still to me. Will you receive me this dark night? There is no one else but you, my friend, my equal. I need you this night to arise and come be with me. Oh. You are my pure, loyal dove, a perfect partner for me. He's speaking to you. I hope you realize that. My flawless one, will you arise? For my heaviness and tears are more than I can bear. I have spent myself for you throughout the dark night. Her reply, I have already laid aside my own garments for you. How could I take them up again since I've yielded my, yielded my righteousness to yours? You have cleansed my life and taken me so far. Isn't that enough? My beloved reached into me to unlock my heart. The core of my very being trembled at his touch. How my soul melted when he spoke to me. My spirit arose to open for more of his touch. As I surrendered to him, I began to sense his fragrance. The fragrance of his suffering love. It was the sense of myrrh flowing all through me. I opened my soul to my beloved, but suddenly he was gone. And my heart was torn out in longing for him. I sought his presence, his fragrance, but could not find him anywhere. I called out for him, yet he did not answer me. I will arise and search for him until I find him. As I walked throughout the city in search of him, the overseers stalked me as they made their rounds. They beat me and bruised me until I could take no more. They wounded me deeply and removed their covering from me. Nevertheless, make me this promise, you brides-to-be. If you find my beloved, please tell him I've endured all travails for him. I've been pierced through by love, and I will not be turned aside. <laughs> they reply to her, What love is this? How could you continue to care so deeply for him? Isn't there another who could steal away your heart? We see now your beauty more beautiful than all the others. What makes your beloved better than any other? What is it about him that makes you ask us to promise you this? She replies, He alone is my beloved. He shines in dazzling splendor, yet it is still so approachable, without equal as he stands above all others, outstanding among ten thousand. The way he leads me is divine, his leadership so pure and dignified, as he wears his crown of gold. Upon this crown are letters of black written on the background of glory. He sees everything with pure understanding. How beautiful his insights without distortion. His eyes rest upon the fullness of the river of revelation, flowing so clean and pure. Looking at his gentle face, I see such fullness of emotion. Like a lovely garden where fragrant spices grow. What a man! No one speaks words so anointed as this one. Words that both pierce and heal. Words like lilies dripping with myrrh. See how his hands hold unlimited power. But he never uses it in anger. For he is always holy, displaying his glory. His innermost place is a work of art so beautiful and bright. How magnificent and noble is this one covered in majesty. He's steadfast in all he does. His ways are the ways of righteousness, based on truth and holiness. None can rival him, but all will be amazed by him. Most sweet are his kisses, even his whispers of love. He is delightful in every way and perfect from every viewpoint. If you ask me why I love him so much, brides-to-be, it's because there's none like him to me. Everything about him fills me with holy desire. And now he is my beloved, my friend forever. <laughs> this is their reply. O oh, rarest beauty, where then is your, has your lover gone? 
We long to see him too. Where may we find him? We will follow you as you seek after him. That's evangelism. Being so in love with him that they see you and they say, I have to know him. I have to know him. We'll follow you as you look for him. And she replies to him, My lover has gone down into his garden of delight, the place where his spices grow, to feast with those pure in heart. I know we shall find him there. He is within me. I am his garden of delight. I have, I have him fully, and now he fully has me. And this is our king. Oh, my beloved, you are lovely. When I see you in your beauty, I see a radiant city where we will dwell as one. More pleasing than any pleasure, more delightful than any delight, you have ravished my heart, stealing away my strength to resist you. Even hosts of angels stand in awe of you. Turn your eyes from me. I can't take it anymore. I can't resist the passion of the, these eyes that I adore. Overpowered by a glance, my ravished heart undone. Held captive by your love, I am truly overcome. For your undying devotion to me is the most yielded sacrifice. The shining of your spirit shows how you have taken my truth to become balanced and complete. Your beautiful blushing cheeks reveal how real your passion is for me. Even hidden behind your veil of humanity, I could have chosen any from among the vast multitude of royal ones who follow me. But one is my beloved dove, unrivaled in beauty, without equal, beyond compare, the perfect one, the favorite one. Others see your beauty and sing your, of your joy. Brides and queens chant your praise. How blessed is she. Look at you now, arising as the day spring of the dawn, fair as the shining moon, bright and brilliant as the sun in all of its strength, astonishing to behold as a majestic army waving banners of victory. Holy one. Yeah, Holy Ghost, you are our doorway in. You are our doorway into the, the throne room where we can boldly be, come before our King. You are, are, are the one that, that we get to know, to know Him more. You are the Spirit of Jesus. You are his best friend. There's no one you love more than Jesus. Teach us to love him like that. Teach us to love him like that. Teach us to love him in such a way that when we talk, to, we talk about him, others long to know him. That when we speak of him, that others... They have a burning inside of them to know Him. Let us not be ignorant of His sufferings. Let us not be ignorant of His sufferings. And in that place of recognizing the sufferings of His heart, let us go after giving Him His full reward. Holy Ghost, restore in this room right now. Restore a fire in every belly yes. and a fire in every head. Oh. Let your mercy come upon us. Let your mercy come upon us in a fresh new way. Oh. Let your mercy pour through this room. Let your mercy pour through this room. Jesus, let us see you. 
Let's see you in a fresh way. Come and burn, 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 burn. With the fires of love, burn us. Consume us. Jesus, let them feel the burden of your eyes that I felt when you said you're ready. Release that to them. The burden and the longing, the burden and the longing to know you more. The burden and the longing to stand up, to be ready so our groom can walk down the aisle. Whoa, whoa. Let a godly sorrow come upon us for sin. Not a shame, not a guilt, but a recognition of what separates us from you. And Holy Ghost, empower us so that nothing can separate us from you. That we let nothing stand in the way. That we let nothing take your place. Yeah, yeah, that, that when they ask the bride, isn't there another that can take your heart? <laughs> that our response will always be, no. There is none like him. How could I turn aside? I will not be turned aside. Let the fires of holiness come. Let there be such a move of holiness upon this group, God. And not a religious holiness, a true holiness that presses into the depths of who you are and won't surrender to anything less. Holiness that protects intimacy with you above all else. Holiness that sets themselves aside for you. Holiness that lays down other lovers because they want to know you. Holiness that makes the nation stand up and say, Who is your God? So right now, in my office, I stand here and I say, every demonic thing that's tried to attach itself to your heart, every demonic thing that tries to attach itself to your, your mind, oh, yeah, even every demonic thing that your eyes have seen, the blood of Jesus takes care of it now in Jesus' name. That even as his blood dripped from the crown of thorns and went into his eyes, blinding him, that your eyes were restored. So let your blood cover our eyes tonight. Let your blood purify our minds tonight. Let your blood purify our motives tonight. If you have offense in your heart towards anyone, especially the church, repent. Deal with it. Holy Ghost, show them. Lay it down. It's not worth it. I break off that burden now. that this is a war with people, repent. Right now, just repent. Our war is with, not with people.
take us into the terrifying, <laughs> the awe-inspiring, <laughs> your majesty. <laughs> God, I ask that you give every person in this room a glimpse of the side of you that most people don't think is there. That you are terrible and wonderful. <laughs> that you are wild. You are untamed. But you're kind. You're holy. You're loving. You're passionate. Let oddly passion arise. Any place that the religious demon has found a stronghold in you, I break it now in Jesus' name. Apathy is burnt out of you now. Apathy is burnt out of you now. It burns, it burns, it burns. To hell with apathy now! to look at me just say keep in what you're what God's doing but Peter Peter and I worked together and one of the HR ladies had pulled us into a room to ask us questions and she began to ask Peter and I questions about what we do what we're what we're trying to do in Seattle all of that and she looked at me after hearing Peter talk for a little bit and she said how are you not prideful so how are you not prideful? You've got people following you, moving out here. <laughs> and I struggled to really put it into words. But afterwards, that question really haunted me. And this is what I realized. Guys, when you, I've talked about this before, but when you look in his eyes, when you see him, whether you see him on the cross or you see him in his glory, however you see him, you can't help but recognize every place you're insufficient. You can't help but realize how human you are. You can't help but realize how much you suck. <laughs> and to have him still say, I choose you. To have him still look at me and say, I choose you, that's where humility's found. So to hell with pride. You want to deal with pride? Look at him. You don't have to think, <laughs> think you're awful and all that. That's not what it's about. Religion will have you focus on that part of what I said. That's not the point. The point is he looks back at you and he says, I love you. I choose you. So every place of youthful pride, every place of religious pride, it burns out of you right now. Oh. Burn. Burns out of you right now. Whoa. Shh. 
You want to deal with orphan places in your heart? Just look at him. I break off responsibility to family that's not biblical. Every place that you have, I feel a responsibility or an obligation to family that actually isn't biblical, I break it now. Burn it out. Burn it out. Burn it out. You are not your parents' parent. They are not your responsibility. Burn it out. Some of you have taken that on as a burden on your shoulders. Give them back to Holy Spirit. You're not Holy Spirit. Give it to Him. Give it to him. (laughs) David Hogan said yesterday, he said, I've been around the world and I can tell you this, friends and family are not the Holy Ghost. What do you mean by that? Friends and family try to be the Holy Ghost for you all the time. That doesn't mean you cut off your family completely. But it means there's there's a certain level that they can speak into your life and a certain level they can't. And you have to figure that out with God. So God is about to start a process in you. And there's, there's soul ties. There's things that are with your family that you need to deal with. And I'm telling you, it will free you. <laughs> and you will see God do more in your family when you actually give Him, give Him, give them back to Him, than you ever will trying to do it yourself. In every place that family has become an idol, that family has become the center of your world, I break it now in Jesus' name. Freedom to put Jesus back in the center. Love your families. Pray for them. Honor your parents. Honor doesn't mean you agree with everything they say. Honor doesn't mean you do everything they say. Honor means you give them gifts. You love them. You pray for them. Honor is buying them things that they would never buy for themselves. It's just showing them, hey, I was thinking about you. It is not giving in to giving all your time to them. It is not giving them full lead over your life. Jesus. Just give them back to him. Tell the goodness of our King. 
We're gonna see the captives free. The lame will walk, the blind will see. We're gonna see the dead rising as we tell the goodness of our King. And we won't stop till you've got everything.